next three weeks, we're going to be in this series called Legacy. Because I actually believe this right here that we're talking about today is the solution to what you're going through right now. You know that? Not, not this message, not this sermon, but God's reason for legacy. What we're going to talk about today is just part of what God does. It's part of God's plan for our lives is legacy. And because I believe, like God says, that you were made, meant to make a difference on this planet. Did you know that? Kind of quiet in first service today. You were, you were made to make a difference. It's in your DNA. That you're part of God. That not just the, hey, we're made in his image with two eyes and uh, two no, or a nose and two ears and all that. kind. Of, not just that. But you're made in his image in your DNA, in your makeup. Do you know that from the inside out? And God, God brought you here on this planet to make a difference. And it's all based out of Psalm 112. I want to read this for you. We're going to be using it for the entire series. It says this. Good will come to him. Hold on real quick. Hands. Who would like some good to come to you? You feel like you do? Raise both hands. All right, there we go. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. And I know what you're, you'll, you'll say is like, hey, I tried this and I was shaken, right? But let me, let me just tell you something. God won't stop the shaking, but he will keep you, the righteous, who does things fairly and justly from being shaken. You get that? God won't stop the shaking in life. That's part of life. But he will keep you from being shaken. Your foundations will stay solid. And, and look at this scripture. Good will come to him who is, it's kind of a two-parter, who, who is generous. We know that generous living is one of our seven core values at South Point. It's who we are. We believe that God blesses us to bless ourselves and bless others. That's part of the twofold thing. So those who are generous and lend freely and those who conduct their affairs with justice, people who are fair in life, who help others out, not always just looking to get ahead for us, Right? but looking to help others out and help others get ahead in life. In fact, when you walk in and you see that our purpose at South Point on that big wall out there is to love God and love people, this message totally takes the next step and unpacks. What, well, what is loving God and loving people? How do I put that into practice? How do I do that in my everyday life? That's what this series is all about. And legacy is this, your first two, if, you, if you're taking notes today, I want to encourage you to take notes. In your orange bulletin, there are some notes. On version, the Bible app, there's a, you can follow along with us, take notes there. But let me say, I, with this scripture, you break it into two parts. And here's what you can tell yourself. If I'm going to leave a legacy, if I'm going to outlive myself, if I'm going to do things on this planet that touch people's lives and invest in God's work so that even when I'm gone, I, I'm leaving a legacy, it's these two things right here. Number one is this, giving to something that will outlive me. And so many times when we hear giving, I always preface this. I grew up not a Christian with a uber Christian grandpa that loved all the televangelists and was always talking about, you know, I got to send them my check in or I don't get into heaven kind of thing. And so I grew up really skewed against all the, anything with money and religion doesn't go together like oil and water. And then I became a Christian. Go figure and then I figure out when God's talking about giving, he wasn't just talking about money. He's talking about everything. 
Everything in our lives. We focus on money sometimes because we've been burned or somebody did something wrong. But God is talking about probably your most precious commodity, time also. What are you doing with your time? He's talking about all of our resources, our skills, our dreams, our ideas, all of these different things. God says, hey, whoever is generous with what I've given you, those people are going to be blessed. When the shaking's going on, they won't be shook. You know what I'm talking about? That's what God's saying is that giving to something that will outlive me, which is God's work on this planet. Everybody say God's work. That's what will outlive us is God's work. Nothing else will. Everything's going to go. Everything's going to get rusty. They're going to tear it down in 20 years and build another one, right? God's work is what lasts forever. But the second part of that is this. Living, the first one's giving, the second one's living, so my life outlives me. Is understanding that I am part of a bigger picture on this planet. Let me just tell you something. The day you believe what God's word says about you, that God put you here for a purpose, you Out of 7 billion currently here, you have a purpose divinely appointed from God. When you start believing that, you'll start living in a way that will outlive yourself. You'll start seeing God in all your friends, even your lost friends. You'll see God in those weirdos. You'll start seeing God in your boss. You'll start seeing God in the coach at your kid's school. You'll start seeing God in every circumstance, in every situation, leading you in your purpose in those circumstances, in those situations. God will help you live a part of a much bigger picture if we'll focus on him. Come on, somebody give your neighbor a high five. Yep. Well, I can just tell you this. I've been preaching this all week, so I may be a little more excited than y'all are. But by the end of this message, you can be right there with me, okay? I believe every word of it. This is the stuff I wish I was, somebody had shared with me as a kid. This is the stuff I wish as a teenager, somebody said, hey, God's got a bigger purpose for you than what you're going to do this weekend. Amen? It would have helped me to understand I'm part of a bigger picture in this world. And as a pastor, I want to tell you, now, that's what I think about. You know, when I, when I became a Christian in college, it, a few months in, me and my wife, we were, we were dating at the time. And I remember telling her, I said, do you realize that nobody in junior high or high school, not one person, ever invited me to church? Think about that. I didn't hear any oohs or alls on that. I'm sad. Nobody, and if you were to pick out like 10 guys in the school that really needed Jesus, I would be in that 10. Like I would have been, and probably that's probably why nobody invited me to church. But when, when we were sitting and talking about it, I said, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't know if this is God's calling on my life or what, but I can promise you this. I'm going to tell people about Jesus and his plan for them for the rest of my life. This is like the best hidden, uh, hidden weird secret in the world. Like, why aren't we all telling people, hey, God's got a plan for your life. You're part of a much bigger picture. God wants you to be able to do things on this planet that way outlive your life. Amen? And I, I, I believe that's important, what we do on this planet. So many people just believe it's eternity. And let me tell you, eternity is super important. And, and, and in fact, eternity is the biggest part of your life. Did you know that? If this life were one second, eternity would be like 50 trillion years to wrap our minds around that. It's just here for an instance what scripture says. It's like the morning mist and then it's gone. But what we do in this world determines a lot about our eternity. It determines our direction for one. 
But even more than that, like, listen, I'm just assuming you're getting there, okay? You're getting into heaven. But when you read throughout Scripture, when you read about what eternity is going to be like, there's going to be levels of authority in eternity. Listen, I don't want to be mopping the floors again, okay? I want to start on the ground. I, I want to learn to live for Christ now so that I can stand as close to him as I can get in eternity. Amen? Are we all there? I don't want to just squeak in. I, I squeaked for the first 23 years. I want to, I want to fly in this next 23. And, and scriptures like this in Romans where Paul's speaking to the Roman people, trying to encourage them as a pastor, as a shepherd. This is, this is what drives me right here. Romans 14 says this, two verses, 10 and 12. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat, and each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. I used to tell teenagers for years, like, how many love tests? And nobody ever raised their hand. Nobody loves tests. But I really believe that that's what this world is. And it's a test. Do you believe what God says or not? That's what it is. And if you believe it, you live it. You, you, you push yourself. You thrive to live. You, you strive to live it. And if not, you show up on Sunday for one hour. And then the rest of the week, we don't live it for him. How about your neighbor say he's talking about you now? I, I don't believe anybody in this room wants to live that way. I believe we all. I, listen, I'm not good at taking tests. So, so here's, here's the way in all of my theological understanding, I'm going to break it down into Morris vernacular, okay, and give it to all of y'all. This is the way I look at, I'm going to have to give an account, huh, how I live. And these are the two, this is the two-question test. And if you've been around South Point for a while, you've heard this before, because once or twice a year, I throw it out. Here it is. You ready? It's in your notes. And here's how you prep for the rest of this message and the rest of your life. These two questions keeps me motivated, keeps me focused every single day. Number one is this. What did you do with my son, Jesus? I believe this is the two-question test in, in a different vernacular. I don't know if it'll be King James or New Living Translation, but how God is going to approach us. Two things that I'm responsible for on this planet. What did you do with my son? I mean, he gave you his life. Did you give him your life or just like a minute? I mean, that, to me, not to y'all. I'm sure y'all are much more committed than me. What I'm saying is for me, every day I ask myself, what are you doing with Jesus? Do you realize that's a 6,000 year plan that he came up with, right? He came up with this plan. He stepped out of heaven. He left perfection to come to imperfection. He took all of my lip, right? He took all of my beatings. He took all of my, like, I mean, I could just go on and on. He did it all. And then he said, and Scott, that's all for you free of charge. What'd you do with that, Scott? What'd you do with my son? And I want to be able to say, well, Lord, in light of eternity, in what Christ gave me, this is what I did. Hit play. And they just show it. I, I, hope, I, don't, know how, I don't know if they're going to have movie projectors up there or not, but I'm just saying, it's the way it's rolling in my mind, you know. And at the end, the film will come off and it'll, it'll do that thing at the very end. Two-question test, what'd you do with my son? And you know what the other one is, according to Psalm 112, what's the second question? What did you do with what I gave you? What'd you do with what I gave you, Scott? What'd you do with what I gave you? You, you do realize you're in the top 1% of the entire earth, right? If you make over $43,000 a year, you're in the top percent. You're the one percenter. I'll all your neighbor said I knew it. You're the one percenter. You, you have air conditioning. You have filtered water. 
Your legs, that me, I'm talking about me. Your legs work, your eyes work, your ears work. You realize what, just the sensation of touching what that is. Like every week I'm in the hospital and I'm visiting with people with tragedy and I have a new appreciation. Every week I have a new appreciation. Thank you that all my toes work. You know, thank you that my eyelid's not infected. Thank you that for this and this. Like, what are you doing with that, Scott? What are you doing with the, the money I gave you? What are you doing with the time that I gave you? What are you doing with all those talents that I gave you? All of both of them. What are you doing with both of them? You know what I'm saying? Like those, those two questions drive me every day to not just live for me. It's not about this world. It's all about this world, but it's nothing about this world. Does that make sense? Like it is all about this world, but one of these days this world's gone. And then it's all about him. And so I'm trying to learn now that actually this temporary world is also all about him. The work that he did. If I'm living for me, I just get to live 60, 70, 80 years and it's done. I'm I'm living for him. I want to live a legacy. And I believe if you answer these two questions right, not with your mouth, but with your life, then you get to live forever because you lived for a legacy. Amen? Amen. I think that's super important for us to understand. How, how can we do that? So to start this series, I told, I told one of our staff members, I said, well, I cut this down from three pages to two pages to one page. I try to make all my messages in my mind one page or I talk for like two hours. Like one page to get it down to the good stuff. And so I'm going to start you with the good stuff today. Three steps, three things that I've narrowed it down to for me that I see in Scripture, not just something Scott came up with, but that will help you and I live every day. It's just some three guidelines, three tips, three rules, whatever you want to say, but that are backed up by God's Word. That'll help you and I, at the end of the day, lay your head on that pillow and say, I am not just living for myself. This feels good. I'm living for Him. I'm, li- I'm leaving a legacy in this world. Number one is this. Three things that we have to intentionally do. Number one, I would intentionally give what I have. Let's start with the giving first. Let's get that out of the way, right? I'll intentionally give what I have. Scripture tells us this, 1 Corinthians 9, 11. Here we go. Turn to your neighbor and say, you. Ooh, some of you are tentative on that. You will be made rich in every way. Everybody say, why? Here we go. He answers it. So that... You can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity will result, through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When, when I approach my resources, everything that I have, all my finances, all my time, my gifts and abilities that I was born with did not work for them. You understand? When I, I approach all of those things with that, it changes my attitude about who, the, who they are. Whose they are. I, they're not, I'm not approaching my, all my resources as I talk about being generous with my life. I'm not approaching it as that I'm the owner. You know what I'm approaching it as? I'm the manager. I'm, I'm not the owner of all this stuff because if I croak, they're gone. What I do with them? And it, it motivates me. Like It motivates me when I read scripture to go, hey, why, are you, why have you been made rich, Scott? Why? So that I can be generous with all that God's given me. I used to hear my preacher, my, my first pastor, and he would say, hey, we're going to give today every day. At the end of service, he would, when we would receive offering, he would say, we're going to give today. And I want to encourage you to give a bunch. Give a bunch. Whatever you can give, give it all. Because you cannot give God. And I would think, man, that is the most manipulative thing. I mean, God owns it all. You know, because I grew up that way. And then the more I listened to him talk about everything that we had, all of our time. Well, how much time do we have? Whatever God gives us. 
how much finances do we have? Well, whatever God's allowed us to, to get. And we say, well, no, I've worked hard for that. Well, jump over in Deuteronomy then and read where God says, don't forget who gave you the ability to gain all of your wealth. Ooh. That set me in my spot. Hey, I'm a quick thinker. I like to come up with some, well, what about this? What about this? And I love it when they're reasoning to back that up. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to intentionally be a giver in your life. Yes, with all of your resources, with your time. I want to tell you, there, there are people in this church who volunteer their time every single week, who serve on our dream team, who serve our kids, who served you when you came walking in, who are serving you coffee, who are serving you shaking your hands. All, everybody on this stage, all volunteers. People that have just come to Pastor Kyle and said, hey, I can sing or I can play an instrument. Work me in somewhere. Let me try out. See if I'm good enough. I know that you, what y'all do, and I want to rotate through and be a part of your band. Just, just giving the resources back to us. And I would put all of these volunteers up against any group of paid musicians any day of the week. Amazing. Just giving. Just being generous. And serve as much as anybody because they come to a practice or two a week. I love it. I want to encourage you to be a generous giver. To be a generous giver. To be generous with your resources. Intentionally. And you know, I tell people when, when you talk about in the church world, intentionally. And I'm going to hit on the second one in a minute, but intentionally be a giver. And I, I would encourage, if you're not like a scheduled giver, like if you don't go on and schedule your giving, or if you don't do the same thing every week or however that works, I want to encourage you to become a percentage giver is what I call it. Like start somewhere. People say, well, I can't afford to tithe or whatever, like I read in the Bible. Well, I probably, if you can't afford it, I probably wouldn't do that. Is that a good idea? Everybody with me on that? If you can't afford it, like don't call AT&T say, hey, I can't pay this month. I got to pay my tithe. Like start, but that's the first intelligent thing you've heard me say all day, right? But start somewhere. Be intentional with your giving. God, you gave this to me. With my time, I'm going to be intentional. With my, uh, with my abilities, I'm going to be intentional. But with my giving, also I'm going to be intentional. Start at 1%. Say, I'm going to work my way up to 1%. I'm going to be a 1% giver. Then my next goal, Lord, is to be a 2% giver. And just keep following Christ in it. That's why scripture tells us don't give out of compulsion. When the pastor or whoever on TV or whatever stands up and goes, give now, give now, don't do that. But instead, pray and ask God what you should give and then obey it. Isn't that good? Oh, I can follow Jesus all day long. Men scare the fire to me. People, humans, all right? Elbow your neighbor. But I can follow God all day long. Be an intentional giver. Somebody give me an amen like you're hearing what I'm saying. Woo, I'm loving this. Number two. Keep me focused to live in a legacy is I'm going to intentionally serve others. That's the easiest one for us all. It's the, the opportunities are endless. It's everywhere, all day long, every position you're at, school, work, home. You have the opportunity to intentionally be a server of others. You, when, when Jesus, when they would walk into the house and... The first thing they would do is take off their sandals and the servant would come up and wash their feet so they wouldn't track their junk all over the house. Jesus was the one that said, this is the new way we're living. This is how we're going to serve one another. And he took a towel and he laid it down and he had his disciples sit in front of him and they were freaking out. If you read that scripture, they said, no, you're not washing our feet. You're the rabbi. You're the leader. You're the teacher. We wash your feet. And he said, nope. Not in the kingdom of God. 
The ones that are blessed with the most, they give the most. Isn't that good? The one with the highest authority, they serve everybody. It's not like when you read the CEO books and you go, hey, the higher you get, the more golf you get to play. The more we understand about serving others, the more we understand it's, it's about being Christ to people. That's how we open up the door to speak into their lives. That's how we open up past things that are holding us back, walls that have been built. We do that by serving people and loving on them. Matthew 20 says this, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And what a great comparison we have. Just as. Everybody say just as. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, so many times at South Point, people come from other churches or never been in church and you come to South Point and you you, kind of wonder how everything is ran. And what you find out is everything that we do at South Point is intentional, is on purpose. Because it's very easy to get a bunch of stuff plugged in by people with tradition and men and women, all this. And then we just get so busy, none of us are actually enjoying our relationship with Jesus, right? So we have narrowed it down to the things that to help you live out what we believe is most important. So when, we, when you hear us talking about all those people that serve the band or their kids leaders or whatever, they're on what we call the dream team. It's a giant team of people, everybody at South Point, that serves other people through the church. And if you don't understand how to serve people, I want to tell you, I want to encourage you. Class is open. There's no greater way to learn then let them walk you through. And, and I would start with growth track. Do that. I'll put that up there for you. Start with growth track because that will tell you who we are as a church. Three-week class, where we're going, and how you can be a part. And do a gifts assess, assessment at the end. Shows you your personality traits. You will take that little 15-minute test and you'll go, that's why I'm like that. More lights have come on. Can I get an amen for those that have taken it on that? Absolutely. More lights have come on after people take that little personality test and go, that's why I like this and that's why I don't like that. And let me tell you what's great about that. When, when our leaders know that, they won't plug you into what you don't like. You know why? Because you don't like it. It's that easy around here. But it gives you an opportunity to get plugged in and start serving people somewhere. If you like standing in the parking lot waving, if you like reading stories to kids, if you like playing the instrument, it's a great opportunity to get on the ground floor and learn how to serve others. Amen? And you would think all this was just churchy stuff. No, this is actually the reason we do it, because it's right out of God's word on how we live in such a way so that when we die, people's lives have been affected because of what we did on this planet. Amen? It's great. I love it. Thank you, Lord. He writes a bestseller. I get to speak from it every week. That's just not fair, is it? Number three is I will intentionally share Christ. The big word in all three of these points is intentional. It's very easy to go through life because we're so blessed with so many resources to just when things are needed, just to do that, you know, give here or serve there or share there. But I'm telling you, if you will look around you and be intentional in your life about sharing, there are some incredible opportunities. Let, let me let me just throw this out there. As far as church goes, next month we start our our series the last weekend of November, our Christmas series after the weekend after Thanksgiving. It's the biggest attended month of the year. December, we have more people that, visitors and guests that come than any other month. And you know why I believe that? Because last month, working with all of those messages, the addictions, depression, suicide, 
you find out that there are more problems that people are aware of. There are more suicides attempted from Thanksgiving to Christmas than the other 11 months combined. You know that? Hey, let me just tell you something. The next month coming up, people are looking for what you have. It's not that they have more problems during that time, but those problems become more evident. They're visiting family members, they're paying bills, they're buying Christmas, all those things. They need what you have. That's being intentional. That's understanding. You know what? We have a series coming up. I ought to invite people to that. I ought to bring my cousin or my neighbor or whatever to that because they're in a spot right now where they need that. Amen? And, and I'll tell you the other thing. Being intentional. I was thinking away. How can we be intentional at church? And it, it's what so many of you do. Share on social media. Pick a date and invite your friends. I'll never forget two or three years ago, a lady came up to me right before the second service and walked up. She goes, hey, I brought my friend today. And I was like, awesome. She said, don't blow it. And I did just what y'all did. I just died laughing. I go, I will do my best. Okay. But I understood what, like, like she was counting on what, what's going to happen in this service. She was counting on the church, uh, your relationship, you shaking hands and being friendly and, and the message being okay and the worship being great, all of these things. You notice how I did okay on the message and great on the worship. She was counting on those things because her friend needed it. And I'm just telling you, you don't have to be a preacher. But if you'll be intentional about sharing what Jesus has done in your life, be intentional about sharing your church family, what's going on at South Point. There are thousands of people that are dying to have what you have. I believe that. It's because of what God did for us. That's exactly what it is. What, that's the reason when I started this message, what I said that I can't believe nobody shared this with me in high school or junior high. I'm going to do this the rest of my life. People need what I have. They need Christ. And I want to tell you, if you want to leave a legacy in this world, something that will way outlive you, it starts with loving God, loving people. But the next step of that is intentionally be generous. Amen? Intentionally serve others. Amen? Each one of these. Let's do this. Come on. And intentionally share Christ. Share what he's done in your life. That's what makes it all work. So let me, let's wrap this up the same way that we started with two questions. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with God, what God's given you? What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with what God's given you? It's what I ask myself all the time. Scares me to death. Keep Some days I'm very excited to answer myself on that. Some days I'm not. But I want to pray for us today that God would help us at the end of our lives, not this afternoon or next week, but at the end of our lives to live in such a way that we leave a legacy, that we can look back and go, Lord, I didn't just live for me. I took what you blessed me with, with your life, with all the resources I have, and I invested them into other people. I invested them, in, yes, into my life. I believe that's part of it. But I lived in such a way to understand that I'm part of your plan. Amen? That we're a part of God's plan. He wants to use what he's given us so that others will see it and go, maybe there is a God. Maybe I need that God. Maybe I need to take that step of faith. Would you mind closing your eyes and let me pray for you today? And before I pray, I want to ask. No doubt, there may be somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus. And when I say, well, what have you done with Jesus? And your answer inside would be nothing. I don't have a relationship with him. I don't know him. He's never been my savior. 
never followed his ways. You know what? And I want to pray for you first because I believe that's our first step. If you're in this room and you don't know Christ, you've never said, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to let him be my savior, my best friend. I'm going to see what he can do in my life. What we find out is what we do in his life. What we find out is how he changes us, directs us, saves us. So if that's you today, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or to say anything right there. Because I believe God can do miracles right where you sit. But I'm going to ask if that's you while nobody's looking. Will you just let me know? Like, just give me a little look and maybe a little wave. And just lets me know, hey, you're praying for me today. Just look up and just give me a little wave. And it lets me know, you're, you're, while you're praying, Scott, you're praying for me. I'm making that decision to open my life up. To follow Jesus today. To let him come into my life. Be my savior. If that's you, let me see your hands real quick. Awesome. You can put your hands right back down. Anyone else? Super proud of you. Anyone else? That's what we're here for today. Lord, I pray for these that have raised their hands today that that right now you would show them how much you love them, how much you care for them. God, that you want to take this life that's being lived for themselves, that you want them to follow you come under your leadership, that you would be their savior, first of all, their savior, and forgive them of their sins. Do just what your word says, that you recreate our hearts and our minds, our souls, our motives, our attitude. From this day forward, be their savior, Lord. And also from this day forward, teach them how to live for you. Show them that you have a much bigger plan than they've ever dreamed of, that they're part of your giant overall plan for this world. And Lord, now I pray for everyone in this room. As we stand before you someday, Lord, and you ask us, what have we done with your son? And what have we done with all that you have blessed us with? We want to be able to say with all of our heart, God, that we did everything that we saw we had the opportunity to do. That we were obedient. That we made plans and intentionally was generous. That we intentionally served other people because you said, love God and love others. And Lord, that we intentionally shared Christ. We let people see what you were doing in our lives. We connected the dots between our lives and what your plan was for their life. Lord, I pray that you would use each one of us in this room to live in such a way that we make a difference. We outlive ourselves and we really leave a legacy. We thank you, Lord, for including us, for loving us, letting us be a part of what you're doing on this planet. It's in your name that we pray and everybody said amen.